Welcome to True Spirituality Network. We are focused on spreading the gospel of God's love across the world. The Bible says, There is no fear in love, and perfect love casts out every fear. As you feed on God's love for you, allow His love to cast out every fear, worry, and anxiety. God loves you. that as we fly into your world again today you make us to see jesus and the beauty of his holiness and let your name be glorified in jesus beautiful name have we prayed and let god's people say amen amen all right once again i want to welcome everybody to true spirituality network if you're joining us for the first time on this platform we'll preach one message we'll preach the gospel of christ we preach the good news of Christ. The gospel is all about good news. There is no bad news gospel. It is just pure good news. The good news or the gospel can also be called word of faith. And word of faith simply means when you hear the gospel, when you hear the word of faith, when you hear it, it produces faith on your inside. It is not possible for you to hear the true gospel and after you are done hearing it, you are scared. Any gospel you hear that produces fear on your inside is not the true gospel. The true gospel produces love, hope, and faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now those three things will remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of those things is love. So the gospel of Christ unveils the righteousness of God, not the sinfulness of men. It shows you the image of a gracious, a good, a loving God, not the image of an angry or a wicked God. God is a good God. And every gospel preacher, every gospel minister, either you minister in songs, in drama, any way you minister the gospel of Christ, you should portray the image of a good, loving shepherd who loved us and gave up himself for, the, for our sins. He loved you so much that while you are yet sinners, he sent Christ to die for you. And on that cross of Calvary, God had to make a decision, either to choose you or to choose Christ. If he was going to choose Jesus on the cross, then that means you have to die for your sins. But God, because he loves you, and according to Psalms 8, he is mind full of you, and he loved you so much. He decided to put all your judgment on Jesus. God decided to treat Jesus as if Jesus was the world's greatest sinner. Jesus did not commit a sin, but because he loved you, he received your sin. You, you have not done everything right. But because God loves you, he decided to give you the righteousness of Christ that you don't deserve because Jesus took all your judgment and punishment that he didn't deserve. So he didn't deserve to die. He died either way so that you today can live even when you don't deserve to live. So God gave you the good you don't deserve today. This is why today the grace of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God is hunting you down. You don't have to deserve it. If you deserve the grace of God, it's no longer grace. It is not grace when it is being deserved. It is grace when you receive it either ways, even when you don't deserve it. So God is a good God. You need to have an image of a good God on your head. You need to understand the real picture of God is love. God is a loving Father. God is a God that supplies and supplies and supplies. Long before your need, God has always made provisions available. I know you may get to point of your life and say, Lord, why have you forgotten me? God, why me? As if God has forgotten that <laughs> you will find yourself in those seasons of your life. But the truth of the matter is things, situations, challenges might have caught you by surprise. But it doesn't catch God by surprise. God is proactive. It is not when you pray that God now quickly will respond. Long before you pray, long before you find yourself in that situation, God has made a way of escape available. He has made provisions available just for you. Glory to Jesus. 
long before Goliath showed up in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and then Goliath began to threaten the people of God long before 1 Samuel chapter 17 there was 1 Samuel chapter 16 and in 1 Samuel chapter 16 God anointed David long before Goliath showed up so God is proactive that is the God you serve long before your financial need God has made provisions available you may pray to God in that season and God minister to somebody and the person gives you the money but long before you prayed because the god you serve is your father and every good father will provide for the son because the god you serve is your shepherd every good shepherd will provide for the sheep long before you ask long before you say what to god he knows everything and he has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness picture a god that supplies our god is not a god that demands under the law that was in the old covenant. It's all about demand. God was demanding from man. Exodus chapter 20 speaks about the law. There were 10 commandments that were given, 10 laws of Moses. And then it is all about what man must do or what man must not do. Thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt. All laying emphasis on what man must do. So under the law, God was demanding righteousness. God was demanding holiness. God was demanding from men. But because at the end of the day, Galatians chapter 2 verse 21 says, If righteousness can be achieved through the law, then Christ died in vain. The demand God was demanding from men, it is not to produce righteousness. You know, what I just said right now is mouthful. Give me a few moments, let me explain it. When God gave the law to Moses, John chapter 1 verse 17 says, The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. When God gave the law, it wasn't to make man righteous. In fact, the Bible says, go look for this. The media team can help me look for the verse. The Bible says the law was given so that iniquity might abound. That should be Galatians 5, 20 or 21. The law... The reason why the law was given, the reason why the law was given, I wish people understand what I just said. It's so simple, powerful. The reason why God told man, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, is so that iniquity might abound. Today, when people hear the law, people want to pride in the fact that they are doing their best to keep the law. The Bible says the reason why the law was given is so that iniquity might abound, so that man can sin. And then when man sin, it will come to the end of himself that he can't please God by his works. So when man comes to a point whereby he understands he can't please God with his works, God gives man an option, which is Christ, that anybody who believes in Christ, automatically God is pleased with the person. This is what the Bible says, without faith, you can't please God. So the law was given. It's in Galatians 5.20, I, I guess, right, or 21. The law was given, or the law entered, so that iniquity might abound. No, Romans chapter 5 verse 21. Forgive me. It, it should be Romans chapter 5 verse 21. The law entered so that iniquity might abound. That should be what it says. And the next line will say, but where sin abounds, the grace of God superabounds. Yeah. Verse 20, Romans 5 20. The law entered so that iniquity might abound. The reason why God gave the law ironically we still have people today that wants to pride in 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 obeying all the laws so when god gave the law in the first place the children of israel was not aware that that was the aim. they thought okay now god has given us things to do god wants us to do this and not do this well we are the ones that don't do this we, we do this we don't do this and this is where this pharisee and sadducees idea came from so they they try their best to fulfill what they can fulfill but the thing about the law again According to 1 Corinthians, I'm giving you reference, 15 verse 56, I strongly believe. 1 Corinthians 15 56, it says the strength of sin is death. Okay, we have to quote this thing. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15 56 should say, when you quote off and so many verse comes to your head, the strength of sin is the law. The power of sin is death, but the strength of sin is the law. That exactly should be what it says. First Corinthians 15, 56. Either 55 or 56 or 57, but it should be 56. It says the strength of sin is the law. People don't preach this. Ironically, 
when you see preachers preaching the law, emphasizing the law again, they don't know that what they are doing is you are, you are trying to make people sin the more. What I just said is very powerful, actually. When, if I don't preach Christ today, let, 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 me, let me digest this for you. This is a solid food message. So let me digest this for you. If we were to be under the dispensation of Adam and Eve, if Adam and Eve did not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, there will only be one law for us to obey. And that one law will just be, you can eat of all the trees except one. So if you want to be blessed, listen, if you want to be blessed under the dispensation of Adam and Eve, if you want to keep enjoying the favor, the goodness of God, you can do anything you like except eating the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I think everybody should agree with me on that. Now, when Adam and Eve ate the tree, there was another dispensation. The dispensation of Moses, the major one, which he gave the law. Now, if you want to be blessed, according to Deuteronomy chapter 28, Deuteronomy chapter 28 has about 60-something verses. 14 or 15 of the first, the first 14 verses speaks about the blessing that will fall upon you when you obey the law fully. From verse 15 or verse 16 to verse 60-something speaks about the causes that will fall on you when you don't obey or when you can't fully obey all the law. So there was another dispensation, the dispensation of Moses, where the law came through. And under that dispensation, if you want to be blessed, if you want to experience the favor of God, if you want to experience the goodness of God, you have to obey the law. But again, the Bible makes us understand the law was given, Romans 5.20, so that sin might abound. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 56, verse 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the Bible says the strength of sin is the law. That means that dispensation of Moses, when the law was given, it wasn't to make man fulfill it. I wish you just understand what I said. God knew man would not, man did not know. God knew that this law, now that it has been given, man can no longer fulfill this law. And if the best of man, even the best of man, could not fulfill it. The best of man. Check the heroes of faith that were listed in Hebrews chapter 11. They all had at least one thing they did wrong. So they were not heroes of faith because of their actions. Abraham was not declared righteous because he did everything right. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him as righteousness. So under the law, if you want to be blessed, you have to fulfill all the law. But nobody can fulfill the law because Galatians 2.21 says, if righteousness can be achieved through the law, Christ died in vain. So we needed a better covenant. And that's why we have a new covenant today. Whereby if you want to be blessed under this dispensation, if I want you to be blessed, you know what I will preach to you? I'm not going to preach the law. I'm going to preach the grace of God. If you want to be free from sin, if you want to be free from addiction, I will preach the grace of God to you. And the moment you believe in Jesus, the moment you put your faith in what Christ has done for you, you begin to experience the good you don't deserve. You begin to experience the favor of God. The goodness of God begins to hunt you down. Just like David said in Psalm 23, that the surely goodness and message of God shall follow many days of my life. So you need to understand the dispensation we have. God is no longer demanding from you. God now supplies to you. Under the law, God demands from man and God knew that no man can fully give him what he wants. In fact, in James chapter 2, the Bible says, listen, listen clearly, if you are unable to, I'm quoting a fan, but let me rephrase it, if you fall in one, according to the law, if you fall in one of the law, you have fall in all the laws. So that literally means if you worry, worry is a sin. If you worry, then automatically you are the same with that person that has committed murder. So you don't have to commit murder to be a murderer under the law. The moment you worry, the moment you lie, the moment you don't pay your tithe, the moment you anything the law says, the moment you don't fulfill one of it, according to the law, you have defiled all the law. You may say, but I have good conscience. Well, the law doesn't understand conscience. The law is the law. It's like if you're driving in your country and you break the speed limit, you can't tell the police, police actually, um, I, I don't know there's a speed limit. I have a good conscience. Well, you broke the law either way. So, you still have to pay the fine for breaking the law. So, the law doesn't, the law was not given to make you righteous. Romans 5.20. I wish you understand that. 
That means any preacher preaching the law, thinking while preaching the law is upholding the law, is actually doing you more harm than good because he's trying to strengthen sin. Because the law entered in the first place so that sin might abound. And then the strength of, of sin itself is the law. And Romans make us understand if you want to be free from sin, you can't preach law to God's people. Romans 6.14 says, Sin shall no longer have dominion over you because you are no longer under the law. If anybody starts preaching law to you again, the person wants sin to have dominion over you. That's why God has presented to us the grace of God that came through Jesus. This is why we preach Jesus a lot. Because the more you see Jesus, you are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Our message today is no longer the law. Should I show you one more verse? Galatians chapter 5. One more verse. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. It should be either verse 18 or verse 19 or verse 20. The Bible says, if you are led by the Spirit of God, you are no longer under the law. There are so many verses that state, by the way, that we are no longer under the law. But today, sadly, we still have preachers that preaches the law. Thinking by preaching the law, they are upholding the law. We still have preachers that are still preaching do's, don't, 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 do's. And again, by do's and don't, you are strengthening sin, according to the Bible. The strength of sin. You want people to sin more, give them more laws. You want somebody to do, to, to do something, tell them not to do it. Always repeat to them, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. They will end up doing it. It's almost as if the most attractive word in the world is don't. The moment you tell somebody, don't do this. On a normal day, they may not even do it. But when you give them, don't, 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 you are creating an avenue for them to do it. Our message is Christ, not do's and don'ts. Christ did not die. The apostles were not martyred for preaching do's and don'ts. They were martyred and they were, they, they were, they went through everything they went through. Peter was thrown in prison. Paul and Silas was, were thrown in prison. They were beaten. They went through everything they went through. For it's not because they were preaching do's and don'ts. It's because they were preaching Christ. And whoever believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ receives forgiveness of sins and is justified by faith. Something the law of Moses cannot do for you. Those were the punchlines of Paul in all the messages recorded in the Bible that he preached in the book of Acts. But these are the messages these guys preach. And that's the gospel of Christ. That because of what Christ has done for you, there's no more enmity between you and God. God is not mad at you. Rather, God is mad about you. Or better still, is madly in love with you. God no longer is angry with you. God is no longer angry with you, better still. God is now in love with you. Because Jesus took your place on the cross. And God has sworn in Isaiah 54, verse 9 and 10. God said, I will no longer be angry with you. Isn't he a good God? So understand, the God you serve is a God that supplies. You know, I come here to preach almost every morning. And, you know, I don't see it as a demand from God. I'm seeing it as a supply from God. You can do the same thing with somebody else and the person is having a demand mentality and somebody else is having a supply mentality. You can be under the law, even if you're doing a religious activity, and you can be under the grace, even by doing the same religious activity. What differentiates you is your your mind about who God is. If you think, ah, I have to preach because God is demanding it from you in the context of if you don't preach, something bad may happen. If you don't preach, God will be angry with you. Then you are under the law. And when you're under the law, the fruit you will see is condemnation, guilt, and sin consciousness. But you can preach every day, the same way I preach every day, and you can be under the grace, God's supply. So when I want to come here to preach, I'm not preaching because if I don't preach, something bad will happen. I'm not preaching because if I don't preach, maybe God will be angry with me. No. I come here to teach the word of God because God has supplied me with strength. He has supplied me with wisdom. He has supplied me with revelation. He has supplied me with grace. He has supplied me with anointing. He has given me everything I need. And then I just want to come here over and over to come and share the goodness of God. So you can be under the law or under the grace. You choose. It depends on your mentality. But God wants you to be under the grace. So he said as men that are led by the Spirit of God, they are not under the law. It's in your Bible. People don't know this. Paul said this before he started even the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Because when you are under the law, you start seeing the works of the flesh manifest. When you are under the grace, you see the fruit of the Spirit manifest. Glory to God. So Hebrews 5.14, the Bible says, Strong meat belongs to the matured, who by constant practice 
have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Strong men belongs to the mature who by constant practice have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Hebrews 5.14 And this has been our series for a while. We've been exploring this verse. This is the fifth episode and we'll just continue from where we stopped. And because it's solid food kind of teaching, that's why I, I, I begin to say some things and I believe you should understand some of the things I say by the way <laughs> at this point. Now by the way, I want to teach an advanced I want to teach an advanced topic today. The same topic you're familiar with, but at the advanced level. You know, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 and 12 says, anybody who can define righteousness is a babe. Or anybody who is a babe. A babe is somebody who is unskillful in the words of righteousness. Anybody who can't rightly define what righteousness is, if you can't rightly, if you are not sound in the teaching of righteousness, you are a babe. So I already explained that in the past four episodes. So I believe everybody is already on the same page with the scripture on what righteousness is. One last time, righteousness is a gift. Gifts are to be received. When you go born again, you are already righteous in the sight of God. You are not trying to be righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. So you are not trying to attain righteousness. Christ gave you the gift of righteousness. So you are the righteousness of God. And until you understand this simple statement I just said, you will think Christianity is all about you trying to please a God who can never be pleased. But if you understand what I'm saying, you understand Christianity is a journey of God who is already pleased with you. And then when you understand that, you see the fruit of you pleasing Him manifesting. Your works is not what pleases God. Your faith in Christ is what will please God. If you want to have peace with God, you have to put faith in what Christ has done. If you want to rest and not stress, you have to put faith in what Christ has done. If you want to experience the good you don't deserve, if you want to experience the favor, the goodness of God, you have to put your faith in what Christ has done. The focus should not be on you. It should be on Christ. When you look at yourself, you can either see the things you are doing which leads to pride or the things you are not doing which leads to insecurity and sin consciousness and guilty conscience. But when you look at Christ, you come to a place of rest. Because you see everything he has done enough. Glory to Jesus. So I want to teach you on advanced righteousness. The same topic, righteousness, but I want to teach it from an advanced level, not at the baby level. I want to show you a place in the book of in the scriptures, the whole testament, that teaches about righteousness. And these places, I know you may not be familiar with them. Because most times when I teach and when most preachers teach on righteousness, we teach from the New Testament, we quote 2 Corinthians 5.21, and we quote Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 5. But there, is, there, are, a couple of, there are a couple of places in the, in the Old Testament that also speaks about the righteousness of God. Let us see the book of Micah. <laughs> I, I hardly quote some of these places. Micah chapter 6. Micah should be the last book in the Old Testament. The book of Micah chapter 6. So I call this more like an advanced teaching on righteousness. Micah chapter 6 verse 5. The book of Micah or Micah, choose one. Chapter 6 verse 5. The book of Micah or Micah chapter 6 verse 5. The Bible says, my people remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Bohar, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of God. Another version says that you may know the righteous act of God. Let me see what KJB says. Minka chapter 6 verse 5. Remember the story, or better still, remember your journey from Shittim to Gita, that you may know the righteousness of God. Micah chapter 6 verse 5. Okay, it's not the last book. Forgive me. Malachi is the last book. Thank God I confirmed this thing. <laughs> so Micah is one of the last books, not the last books. Thank, thank God I was able to clarify that. Okay, so KJV says that you may know the righteousness of God. Another version says righteous act, but the context is Remember the story and you understand the righteousness of God. 
so God, or better still, the, the writer of the book of Micah was stating that if you want to know the righteousness of God, you can remember the journey of the children of Israel from Shittim to Gilgal. So we can see the righteousness of God unveiled even from the whole covenant. So let us take further time to study. There were these two guys in the scripture. One of them is Balak and Balaam from India. Just kidding. <laughs> Balak Krishna and Balaam Krishna. I mean, I, I think they sound more like that. And these guys, their stories can be found in the book of Numbers. And Balaam and Balak. Balak was a king and Balaam was an hired cursor. The same way we have hired assassin, we have hired Kosa. He causes people for a living. I don't know how that can be a, an occupation. When somebody wake up and say, this is what you, I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be charging people and causing people. So he, he was an hired Kosa. And then, so at a point, the children of Israel were on a journey. And then they needed to pass through the city of Moab, where Balak was a king. And then, because Balak has had so many things that God has done for the children of Israel, including how God delivered them from the Egyptians by throwing them into the Red Sea, so Balak was scared of the children of Israel. And then, you know, when you are afraid, you do silly things. When you are scared, you misbehave. So because he was afraid, the next thing he wanted to do is, he wanted to quickly go hire Balaam to come and curse the children of Israel because he knows if he fights against them he cannot win them. He knows the children of Israel doesn't fight but if you fight against them and they fight against you, you can never win them. You can never defeat them because God is with them. So he had to go Arya Balaam the Indian guy. Just kidding. Don't come for me. Just, just a joke guys. He's not from India. <laughs> and and then when these guys when they, when, when they got there so the guy tried to curse the children of Israel. And I'm going to say so many things. You really have to pay attention now. Listen. The children of Israel had no idea about this event. Let us start on that note. The children of Israel had no idea about this event happening behind the scene. When I got born again, I remember I taught, by the way, when I was teaching the book of Revelation, there were some teachings that Jesus addressed in some churches that they should stop teaching. There were some teachings that Jesus spoke to the leaders of some churches in the book of Revelation that they should stop teaching his people. There were some teachings like the teaching of Nicolaitan, like the, teach, like the error of Balaam. One of the errors of Balaam is that he believed that God's people can be cursed. So when Balak paid him to come and curse God's people for him to even want to try and curse God's people. It was an error on his end because the moment you start believing that a believer can be cursed, then you are followed under the error of Balaam. I know you don't fully understand what I just said, but if I take it a step further, you get it now. I hope you know there are still believers out there that thinks, or there are still even preachers out there that tells God's people to pray against curses. To pray against generational cause. And that is an error of Balaam. Because the believer has been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. So how can the believer who has been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Have any room for any kind of cause. You know you have to make up your mind. Is it that you are blessed or you are cursed? You can't be cursed blessed or blessed cursed. You are telling me you are born again. You are a believer. And you can still you can still think you are cursed. I don't know who preached to you. You need to change the person you're listening to. So that was the error of Balaam. Thinking God's people can be cursed. And every preacher preaching generational cause today, telling people you have to pray to break generational cause, is, 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 is under the error of Balaam. When you got born again, you were free from your generation and then you were born into another generation. The Bible says we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. And now, guess what? 
Your DNA is no longer connected to your grandfather. It's no longer connected to your grandmother. Your generation has changed. Now you are now in Zion, the city of the living God, the innumerable company of angels, the heavenly Jerusalem, where the spirit of the just men are made perfect. If they want to trace your genealogy right now, they trace it back to Christ. Literally back to Christ. I thought you said you were born again. Do you know what it means to be born again? Born again literally means you were born again. They hold you, died, and the new you is alive. Who gave that to you in your, in your born again state? God. For you to think you are, can be born again and you may have generational cause is an insult. Don't insult my father in heaven because my God does not have generational cause. <laughs> your lineage now is only traced to one person, God himself. Except you are not born again. You are born again, you only have one father. His name is Yeshua Hamashiach. And that is the person you serve. So you can't be blessed with all spiritual blessings according to Ephesians 1.3 and be telling me there is still room for any cause. Anybody that preaches, it doesn't matter who he is. Paul said, if anybody preaches any other gospel apart from the gospel of Christ, let him be a cause. If anybody tells you, you're the born again believer, you're under any cause, or you have to pray to break generational cause, He's preaching on that gospel. Let him be a cause. So don't let anybody, or don't even personally, if you're a preacher listening to this, don't fall under the hair of Balaam. And why did I say Balaam wasn't praying? Is to address every preacher that say, okay, but you have to pray first to break every cause. These guys weren't even praying. They don't even know what's going on. And in their ignorance, when they don't know anything going on, when they know anything going on, God still turned the cause to a blessing. We're going to read the story in Numbers 23 shortly, but I have to just clearly state that. But Numbers chapter 23, we're going to read a long read from verse 16 to 23. Lo Numbers 23, verse 16 to 23. Don't forget, why are we coming to this story? The book of Micah chapter 6, verse 5 says, If we want to understand the righteousness of God, we should go remember the story of the children of Israel when they were taking their journey and when they found themselves in this season of their life. The righteousness of God. This is why it's an advanced teaching on righteousness. So let us see what happened on that day. Numbers 23 from verse 16. The Bible says, And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say thus. By the way, before I read verse 17. So the Balaam wanted to curse the children of Israel. So well, the first time he tried it, he wanted to, he said something like, I cause. He wanted to say cause, and God just twisted his tongue. I said, I bless you, children of Israel. And then Balak was angry. He was like, I paid you to cause these people. He said, yes, I can't help it. They are blessed, and I can't reverse it. In fact, those were one of his punchlines. He said, these people are, are blessed, and I cannot reverse it. That means if you are blessed by God, you are forever blessed and nobody, no demon, nobody, no situation, no circumstance can reverse the blessing of God over your life. We're going to read it shortly. So after that, Balak took Balaam. He said, let's go to another mountain. So they were changing locations <laughs> to see, okay, if God doesn't answer on this point, maybe God will not stop them on another point. But this is, this is the final point. So verse 17 says, and when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering. They were even doing it by the way of the Lord. They were adding some, um, some of the offerings they did. As at that time, they were adding. Maybe God, will, if he sees offering, maybe God will allow them to curse the children of Israel. And the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? By the way, this guy called Balaam, he knows about God, but he's not born again. He doesn't know God personally. He only knows about God. And verse 18 says, And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, Krishna, sorry, Balak, <laughs> and here, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. Now, listen to the punchlines. God inspired Balaam to say this word. God is not a man that he should lie. We all know this punchline. Neither the son of man that he should repent. At he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandments to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Dear believer, I have awesome news for you. You are forever blessed by God. No demon, no generational cause, 
no one in your family not even your mistake or your silliness can reverse the blessing of god over your life you are radically blessed by god you are forever blessed by god and even when the ayat and ayat kosa he said you know what this one's already blessed i can't reverse it this person is a professional cursor. but when he saw the children of israel again don't forget it wasn't the works of the children of israel that didn't make the cause to work it wasn't because of their goodness it wasn't because of their faithfulness but because of the faithfulness of god and this is what i'm trying to lay emphasis on that the reason why god is protecting you why he's taking care of you why he will never let anything to touch you is because of his own goodness he's a good god so that when you share your testimony you don't say well we prayed and then when we prayed then this happened I understand you prayed, but can you put the focus and the faithfulness back on God and say, because God is a faithful God, this happened. Because God is a good God, this happened. Don't put the focus on self. Don't say, these are the things I did. I did this. I did that. And then so God now did this. No, you are laying emphasis again on your goodness, on your faithfulness. When it comes to sharing testimony, you should point us to the faithfulness of God. God is protecting you today, not because you prayed in the morning before taking the flight. No, it's because God is a good God. And the angel of the Lord encamped around those who fear his name to save them and deliver them from harm. So when you take the flight, God will make sure for your sake there won't be a plane crash. Because he loves you and he's protecting you. So the focus of your testimony should be on God. Because so many things happen behind the scenes you don't even know about. So it's all about Jesus and what he has done. God is a, he's just a good God. Anyway, so he said I have received commandment to bless. And I can't reverse it. Even though it was an ayat cursor, he can't reverse it. That is awesome. This gives me so much confidence that no matter what happens in my life, I am forever blessed by God. And nobody can reverse it. Even the devil himself can never reverse it. <laughs> I am forever blessed. Glory to Jesus. This is why you have to be born again. If you're just be born again. You meant you were born again. It's a one-time deal. The same way God shut the door of the ark of Noah and shut them in. It's the same way when you get born again, God shuts you into his goodness. He shuts you into his blessing. And he himself locks the door. Because he knows if he gives you the door, out of frustration, out of anger, out of temptation, you may want to open the door and bring yourself out. But when you say yes to Jesus, you know what God did for you? He treated you into the heart. He shut the door. And then you are radically blessed. You are forever, you are forever favored by God. Glory to Jesus. And then let's read the next verse. Verse 21 says, He had not beheld iniquity or in Jacob, neither had he seen perseverance in Israel. The Lord is God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. I'm going to come back to this verse, but I have another awesome verse to show you. Next verse, verse 22 says, God brought them out of Egypt. He had as it, it were the strength of a unicorn. Verse 23, everybody pay attention. Surely, dear believer, this is good news for you. Now, there are some statements the Bible can say without using the word surely, assuredly. But here is a surely word here. It's a word that is so sure. And don't forget the words that started this. God is not mad that you should lie. And then verses after you want to hear a particular word that comes with surely. Surely there is no enchantment against the believer. As at that time it was Jacob. But guess what? Today there is no enchantment against you. God, neither is there any divination against Israel. If you're born again today, Today, I just want to set you free from every fear of any enchantment, every fear of curse, every fear of diabolic things, every, every fear of witchcraft, every fear of anything that is not <laughs> the fear of God. <laughs> every fear of the devil, every fear of demons. There is no enchantment against you, says the word of God. There is no divination against you. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and Israel, what God has wrought. So it is all about what God has done, not what Israel has done. Again, it's all about what Christ has done, not what you do. There's no enchantment against you. No demon can touch you. Do you know why? Because you are actively dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. And who is the secret place? Christ is the secret place of the Most High. So you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Who is the one doing the protection? Is it you? No. It is to show what God has done. 
the focus is on God. You are untouchable today. It is not because you have to pray, you have to fast. That is not what we are talking about. It is because of who you are and who are you. You are the blessed of God. You are the son and daughters of God. And whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And guess what? Greater is he that is in you now than he that is in the world. God has raised you up and made you sit in Christ. Far above principalities, far above rulers of darkness. So you... you if you be afraid at all in life, it should never be you getting afraid of demons. It should never be you getting afraid of the devil. It should never be you getting afraid of witches. It should never be you getting afraid of sorcerers. It should never be you getting afraid of all of this dark anything. There is no enchantment against you. No divination against you. Because God is the one watching over you. He who keeps you does not sleep nor slumber. I just strongly believe I just set some people free from the fear of anything diabolic, anything witches, anything enchantment. The children of Israel didn't do anything because the protection of God upon their life is not based on their works. It's not based on their goodness. It's based on God's goodness. Glory to Jesus. Now let me come back to the verse that we need to study before we wrap it up today. Why are we in book of Numbers chapter 23? Because the Bible says in the book of Micah or Micah chapter 6 verse 5. He says, if you want to know about the righteousness of God, we have to go study the story of Balaam and Balak. So we came to this story now. Which part of these verses do we think is related to the righteousness of God? Since this is an advanced study. Now, the thing about advanced study is, you won't clearly in black and white see what you are looking for. So you have to sit down and do further study and bring it out yourself. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, it is the glory of the Lord to conceal of a matter. It is the glory of kings to search it out. And over the years of preaching, actually, or over some months of preaching, I don't like saying the years. When I say years, I, I, always, I always feel as if I've been preaching for a long time. No, not for a long time. I just started preaching. <laughs> and it's not for a short time as well. <laughs> and, for example, unveiling Christ from the Old Testament is one of the best best experience I've ever had in preaching. For example, when I teach and I make you understand, for example, in Luke chapter 24 verse 27, the Bible says Jesus began to expound about himself from the book of Moses and the prophets. And if I have to go to the Old Testament to go show you the picture of Christ, for me, it, I've been preaching for many, many months, but that, that part is one of the most exciting for me. Me telling you that the story of Joseph is a picture of Christ. The goal is not to focus on Joseph or start bringing out principle from his story, as motivational speakers do today. The goal is to point you to Christ. The Bible is a, is a book of Christ. It's Christology, not Josephology, not Mosesology. It points to Christ. All of these guys are pointing to Christ. So the story of Joseph is a, is a picture of Christ. He was loved by his father, Jacob. Jesus was loved by his father, God. Pictures. And then Joseph was sold. Jesus was sold. Joseph was thrown into a pit. Jesus died and he went into the underworld. Joseph was thrown into the prison. And then that means Jesus was thrown. Jesus died. He was buried and he went into the underworld. Joseph at the point of his life was raised from the dead. Or better still, sorry. He was brought out from prison and made to sit down at the right hand of fire. He became the second hand. Or better still, the right hand of fire. Is a picture of God. When he raised Christ from the dead, he made Christ sit at his right hand. So the Bible says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemy your footstool. So it's, it's a picture. Everything that happened to Joseph was a picture of everything that would happen to Christ. And then when Joseph became the prime minister, the second and the right hand of Pharaoh, he brought his brothers who don't deserve it. He brought his brothers. He brought them into his inheritance. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, he brought you and I who are born again and many people who get born again in the future. He brought every one of us into glory. So as men that received him, the Bible said he gave power to be called sons of God. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. So it's a picture. Genesis chapter 22. The Bible says God told Abraham, take your son, one, your only son, two, whom you love, three, Abraham had two sons, not one son. 
So literally, <laughs> if God will tell him to take your son, you're only the whom you love. It's a picture of God at a point, he will take his son, one, his only begotten son, two, whom he loved, three, John 3, 16. And God was going to offer his son for us. So the picture of Genesis 22 was never about Isaac. It's just a picture of a point where God will offer Christ for the sins of the entire world. Because Isaac asked his father a question. He said, Papa, Abba, he said, this is the knife. This is the wood. Where is the lamb? And you know what that question is? Where is the lamb we are going to sacrifice? And in the book of John, the Bible says, Now behold the lamb of God. Behold the lamb. Isaac asked the question. John the Baptist gave the answer. Behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. So most of these events in the Old Testament were pointers to Christ. It's all about Jesus. So for me, in, 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 my, in my experience of teaching, those are the parts I love the most. Unveiling Christ from the Old Testament. Where you don't see Jesus written in black and white. But you can, because you have the Holy Spirit, you discern by the help of the Spirit that this is all about Christ. It's pointing us to Jesus. It is never about Moses. It is never about Elijah. It is never about Abraham. They are all pointers to Christ and what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. Glory to Jesus. And we'll do the same right now in Numbers chapter 23. Because the Bible says if we want to understand the story, we we'll understand what righteousness of God is. In Micah chapter 6 verse 5, the Bible says we should check the story of Balak and Balaam. And this is where we are now. So let me show you a particular verse that relates to the writings of God in Numbers chapter 23. Let us go back to verse 21 and then we'll wrap it up here. Verse 21 says, God had not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither has he seen perseverance in Israel. The Lord is God, is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. I strongly believe when I was preparing for this session, um, I was using NIV. NIV once in a while happens to be my go-to my go-to Bible. But let me see what KJV says. Numbers 2321, KJV. So on my hand, I'm using my wife's Bible. So on, on my hand it says, He had not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Okay, so I, I think I, I use I use KJV actually. So God has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Stop. So let's quickly do exegesis. God has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. God has not seen iniquity in Jacob. And a clearer picture of this is what we understand when we talk about places like Romans chapter 4, verse 6, where the Bible says David spoke about the blessedness of some people whom God imputes righteousness apart from their works. The way God dealt with the children of Israel here is that God wasn't looking at their sins. God doesn't look at the sin of the believer today. The same way God didn't look at the sin of children of Israel. Don't forget, if you want to understand the righteousness of God, listen, not the righteousness of men. If you want to understand the righteousness of God, go check the story of Balaam and Balak. That's what Micah 6, 5 said. Now we understood now. The Bible says God has not beheld iniquity. It is not because the children of Israel didn't commit iniquity. We have about 2 million Israelites that were brought out of Egypt. So you can't tell me they were all, if you want to tell me it is their own righteousness. You, do, you can't tell me they were all doing everything right. If you want to know one major thing about the children of Israel, they were always complaining. But yet, the Bible says God has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. God was not defining them based on their mistakes. God was not looking at them and looking for one thing they would do wrong. Rather, God was looking at them from the lens of Christ. How did I know? The Bible says the shout of a king is among them. In that same verse, the shout. The, the Bible says the shout of a king is amongst them. So God was not looking at their sins. If God was looking at their actions to relate with them, God would not save them from the curse 
that Balak and Balaam was trying to place on them. So the Bible literally says, God has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Because when it comes to the righteousness of God, the more we begin to unveil it, we would understand that God justifies you today, not because you have done everything right. This same statement can literally be used for any believer today. That God doesn't behold your sins. God gave so many words of affirmation, words of assurance concerning this statement. In the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 6, and this is why the gospel is the gospel. The Bible says, I'll be merciful unto your unrighteousness, and your sins I will remember no more. And this is how I started as well. Making you understand, under the law, from Exodus chapter 20, God was demanding from man, thou shalt not, thou shalt. God was demanding righteousness from men. But under the grace that came through Jesus, John 1, 17, the law was given by Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. It is God supplying righteousness. So under the law, God was demanding righteousness, which man could not produce because Galatians chapter 2, verse 22 to verse 21 says, if righteousness could be achieved by the law, Christ died in vain. Under the grace, God supplies righteousness apart from our works. So Romans 4, 6 says, David spoke about this blessedness to whom God credits righteousness apart from their works. So the believer today is righteous apart from his works. And in the story of Balak and Balaam, the Bible literally says, God has not behold their sins. He didn't say they did not make mistakes. He didn't say they did not commit sin. But God didn't behold it. Because God wasn't relating with them based on their sin. God has not behold. Not because they didn't commit. But God didn't look at their sins. Because the shout of a king is among them. And that's a picture of Christ. The shout of a king is among them. Listen. When we preach about the grace of God today. We are not saying God is now overlooking sin. That's not what we are talking about. We are saying, literally, God hates sin so much and he punishes sin. The difference is the sin of the believer was punished on God himself. So, God punishes sin. God doesn't overlook sin. He punishes sin. And then that is why he punished your sins and my sins on the body of Jesus. Most times people think, oh, so now people say, well, people can do anything they like. No, Christ died. We, most times people preach as if Christ didn't die at all. Christ died and he died not because he committed sin. Can we put it this way? If we say God doesn't look at the sin of the believer, it's not because anything goes it is because the sin of the believer was punished, judicially speaking. So if God declares you righteous today because Jesus took your sin, then God is a just God. I always tell people this. God is righteous in making you righteous. Because if God doesn't declare you righteous today, then again, Christ died in vain. You need to understand that simple statement. We have to wrap it up on this note. So God does not behold iniquity in Jacob. Not because Jacob or Israel does not commit sin. But because there is a shout of a king among them. So God was not relating with them based on their actions. God was relating with them based on the shout of a king among them. The same way for the believer today. God doesn't relate with him based on his action. But based on his faith in Christ. So when God looks at you. God sees you blameless and spotless, not because you are blameless, but because that is how God chose to see you in his sight. And you know the reason why that happened? Because judicially speaking and legally speaking, all the punishment of your sins were carried by somebody so that you can receive all the blessings and the goodness of that person's righteousness. It was an exchange. So today, if we say God no longer sees your sin, it's because Jesus took them on his body. This is why it is good news. That you deserved judgment, but Jesus took it. But guess what? Before Jesus took your judgment, Jesus deserved your blessings. He deserved blessings. So because he took your judgment, he gave you his blessings. 
So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, 21 says, God made him. So think about two persons, one on my left, one on my right. So somebody deserve judgment. Somebody deserve eternal blessing. But God made him who doesn't deserve judgment to take the judgment so that him who doesn't deserve blessing can take the blessing forever. And since the event of Jesus has already happened in the past, your own event will happen forever. Because Jesus has fulfilled his quarter of taking everything bad that you deserve. So now it is your turn to enjoy everything good that he deserved. That is what makes God a just God. Because the moment God won't allow you to enjoy God's Jesus' righteousness, Jesus' blessings, Jesus' goodness, then it will make God an unjust God because Jesus already fulfilled his own quarter of the exchange. Jesus didn't commit sin. He carried your sin. You, you haven't done everything right. You are carrying his righteousness. So if God would allow your sin that Jesus received to make him to die just because he loves you, then he must make you to live and enjoy everything good because he loves you. Because if God won't allow you to enjoy anything called righteousness, then it is unjust on the body of the person that died. You know, I'm explaining this in so many ways. Even no matter what level you are, you should be able to understand it by now. It's an advanced teaching. So God has not beheld iniquity in Jacob, not because Jacob didn't commit iniquity. There are over two million of them and they were always murmuring. But God didn't see their sin. And when God looks at you today, God, he doesn't see you as your mistake. He doesn't see you as your past. He doesn't see you as your weakness. He sees you from the lens of Christ. You know the ironic thing is that the children of Israel does not even see themselves the way God sees them. And this, is, this happens to believers at times today. The believer who God has justified, purified, God has declared righteous, at times he doesn't see himself the way God sees him. So you still hear him pray prayer point like, God, I am a sinner. The moment you call yourself a sinner again after the God justifies you, you still call yourself a sinner again. You don't know what God has done for you. You are bringing yourself back to the law when you've been saved from by you've been saved by grace. God has declared you righteous. You are saying, God, no, I, I still feel this way. The just lives by faith, not by feeling. Finally, so if you want to understand the righteousness of God, this is the story of some set of people that God protected from cause and enchantment, not because of their goodness, but because of his goodness. That God didn't build inequity in, not because they didn't commit or because they may not have committed, but because the lens of God, the way God sees them is through the lens of Christ. This is very important. God doesn't see you as your mistake. He sees you as Christ, as Jesus is. First John 4, 17, so are you in this world. That's what the scripture says. This is why I said it's an advanced teaching on righteousness. Because God was not dealing with them based on their goodness, but based on his own goodness. And that's the way God relates with you today. When you go born again, God no longer relates with you based on you. He now relates with you based on Christ. Because Christ became you on the cross. Jesus did not just die for you. He died as you. That is why God left him on the cross. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus became you on the cross. When he said that statement, he was not in quote the son of God. He was the greatest sinner that ever existed. Not because he committed a sin, but because he was carrying your sin. You know why? So that today, when Jesus has now died for your sins, you can live for his righteousness. So God is now relating with you and he will treat you like the world's best righteous man. Apart from your actions. And I'm laying emphasis on this. Because Jesus became what he became on the cross. Sin. Apart from his actions. So that today you can be declared righteous. And God will no longer behold iniquity in you. It has nothing to do with your actions. This is who you are now. And this is why you should understand God loves you. Not because of the things you do. But because of who you are. Glory to God. One last verse. Let's wrap it up. Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 5. You know, I love this verse so much because in black and white, it stated the reason why God did not allow the enchantment of Balaam to come to pass over the children of Israel. Why God saved them from the curse. It was stated in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 5. I'm just going to read here. This is the message I preach a lot. I'm going to read it. Moses, this was his last writing. 
and then he, he made reference to Numbers chapter 23, what happened. And he make us understand what really happened behind the scene by the help of the Spirit. Moses said, Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee. Why? Because the Lord thy God loved thee. I love this so much. They've been preaching the love of God from the time of Moses. It's not a new message. God has loved man from the beginning. Moses was telling them, guys, I just want you to know that the reason why the curse, the enchantment of Balaam didn't come to pass is not because of your faithfulness. It's not because you prayed. It's not because you fasted. It's because God himself loved you. And dear believer, I have news for you. The reason why God will keep keeping you you remain faithful in your life, in your finances, in your marriage, in your business, in your career, in your ministry. The reason why God will always show up, He will always help you, favor you, bless you, is because He loved you and He loves you. Just admit that and let it sink. God loves you. This is one message we preach a lot in True Spirituality Network. God loves you. So he will remain faithful and committed in making sure everything is fine with you. God loves you. It's a good place to just wrap it up. Just go in the consciousness that you are loved by God. So nothing can touch you. So you are forever blessed. You are forever favored by God. Hallelujah. Just meditate on this verse. I, I love it so much. Personally, I don't have enough time to preach on it. But the reason why God protected them was because he loved them. The reason why God did not build iniquity in them was because he loved them. The reason why God didn't deal with them based on their goodness, but based on his goodness is because he loves them. And you, guess what? If God could do that for them under the blood of bulls and goats, how much more we that were living under the blood of Jesus, the son of the living God. You are forever loved. It has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with who you are. The loved or the beloved of God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the time of refreshing in your presence. Thank you for the truth of your word about your righteousness. Thank you because it is a gift and we are overwhelmed at how much you will go to make us understand you love us. Thank you because no enchantment, no divinity against us shall work because we are protected and we are actively in Christ, our secret place. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, I will pray Amen. Thank you so much for connecting from every part of the world. We'll take it a step further from here on our series. We'll continue from here tomorrow. And if you would like to listen to other content from us or if you want to catch up with the past episodes of this series, click on the link in the bow or search for Akinyemika on Spotify or on Audiomark, Amazon Music and every other platform you can search for it. Thank you so much. If you want to partner with us, with what God is doing through us here, if you want to spread the gospel on other platforms or you want the gospel to travel and you want to work directly with us, just send us a DM. We'll connect with you and then it will really, really be awesome. Thank you so much once again. God bless you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And what I'm doing right now, I begin to speak to you in Psalms because Ephesians chapter 5 says, speaking to one another in in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody to god in your heart and i just want you to know just like god says in psalm 23 that he is your shepherd and he's always with you even when you don't feel it so you have all that you need you may not see because your sight is limited but if you focus on this world you realize you have all that you need long before you were born his supply is far greater than whatever you ever need on earth if he could give you jesus he will give you every other thing you would ever need long before you get to that season he has made provisions available for you and he wants you to know this don't focus on your bank account to define who you are if he could give you jesus he will give you everything god giving us jesus is the proof that he has done for you much more than he will ever do for you he has given you much more than you ever need so just focus on him because you have all that you need and he has made you to lie down in green as pastures in green pastures and when he wants you to lie down he wants you to rest and not stress because he's always working 
most times you don't feel it so you get worried you get anxious but he says in his word that he has made you to lie down and if he has made you to lie down then rest stop trying to figure out things on your own just allow god to do the things he's doing in your life and he leads you beside the still water where everything is cool calm and collected he restores your soul if your heart is troubled before you came here the lord has restored your soul in the mighty name of jesus oh glory to god and though you walk through the valley of shadow of death you don't have to be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world glory to god oh and surely god's goodness god's favor god's unfailing love is what is running after you village people are not chasing you <laughs> it's the goodness of god that is hunting you down it is pursuing you all the days of your life and you rest in the house of the lord forever and ever in jesus name amen If you have been blessed by this message, we invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of God's love to all nations. Send us an email on truespiritualitynetwork at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, True Spirituality Network on both Facebook and Instagram, T-Spirituality on Telegram, and Akimika on YouTube. So catch up with all our podcasts, search for Akimika on all major platforms, including Spotify, audio mark and anchor as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out every fear and remember it's not about you it's all about jesus mm-hmm.